0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 13th of May 2018, entitled God's Guidance for Christian Giving, Part 1, and the Bible reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I've already stated that we will be thinking on the subject of giving this morning because unashamedly. It is certainly my desire as pastor, and I know of many people within this congregation, that we never, ever, ever lose sight and lose focus of why we're here, folks. We'd all be better off in heaven. We'd all be better off there than any place or anything that we could do down here. And I want you to remember, God had a purpose for you in eternity past, His purpose was to save you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. But God still has a purpose for you. I know you can sit back and you can say that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven and you can be saved and you can spend eternity in heaven, but that's not why you're still here. If God didn't still have a purpose for your life right now, right here, right where you are, he'd take you on to heaven, but I know he wants what's best for you. So you can look around. You can look at what other people are doing and what other people can do, and you can look at all these other things, all that you want to, but I don't care who you are or where you're from. I don't care how short a time or long a time that you've been a child of God. I want you to remember God wants to use you. And So many times, you know, I've, I've, I've told the story before about... Uh, you know somebody going to the doctor and they go to the doctor and 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 a lot of times when you go in to see the doctor and you're telling you got this pain here or this pain somewhere you know and 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 and, and of course the doctor starts kind of feeling around and poking around and punching around and 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 and, and sometimes he hits a spot in his tender you that hurt well the thing is is that you may have felt it but just because you felt that sharp pain it wasn't for your bad. The doctor's finding out what you need. He wants to be able to help you to make you well. Now, sometimes the doctor might have just poked too hard, uh, but you don't have to worry about God poking too hard. Uh, He always, always, always gets it right. And of course, by the same token, so many times we have places that we're hurting that we don't even realize that we don't know about. You know, many people die of terminal things in this world because they suddenly find out that there was something wrong with their body that they didn't even know about uh, until it got the best of them. We meet people like that all the time. We meet people on the street. We have friends and family. They don't know what happened. One of the gentlemen that we were talking with uh, at, at at the outreach yesterday, he said, "I didn't plan to turn my back on God. I didn't plan." To backslide, I didn't plan to get out of church," he said. "I used to be out here doing what you're doing right now, but he said somehow, just over time, you know, he said it just kind of started. He said I just, you know, instead of being there for every service, I just started going maybe twice a week, and then it was down to once a week, and then it was down to well, something happened that one time a week I wasn't there at all that week, and so uh, sometimes it it became sporadic. And he said what I found was that. uh, you know, it got easier and easier, it got easier and easier just, just, just to miss and not th- He said, I didn't plan it. But he said, and I said, you know, I said, I, I told him my own testimony. I said, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I didn't have a choice. We were there every service, no matter what. We were there in God's house. But then there came that time when I was there by choice because I wanted to be. And I even went, when, when I went off in the military and and, and and I was genuinely looking for a place to worship and all this, and, and in those early weeks I couldn't find a place, and so I just started uh, going a bit less and a bit less and a bit less. And a lot of things happened over the next few years, but I can remember about four years later when I found myself in a church, and again, not because I had necessarily would have been there except the fact that I had gone back home. And my parents, even as, a, even as a, a, a military young man, they expected me to be in church with them on Sunday morning. And so I was there. And so was my new bride. And uh, uh, she had never had anybody expect her to be in church before. Uh, and uh, so she wasn't real sure about this new father-in-law that she had at that point. <laughs> but we were there. And we were there the next Sunday and, and, and that was the time when, you know, that, that Sunday morning as God began to deal with my heart, the question that came to me is, how did I get here? How did I get here? I never stopped loving God. I never stopped believing that He was there. Well, in all of our lives and so many things, we, we forget sometimes. And I want to remind you of a few verses. And if, you're, if you've been at Bethel for many years... You will have heard some of this stuff before. But I believe that we need to be reminded consistently time and time again. Aren't you glad that you serve a giving God? Aren't you glad that he doesn't avoid giving, but he does everything that he can to give and to give and to give? God is all about giving. And God is about teaching us his principles to where your life can be the very most that it can be, not the least. God doesn't want you, and I realize, folks, even the Bible talks about there's a lot of harlots out there. There's a lot of people that are that are out there doing things for all the same reason. There's a lot of people that are wanting to get into your, to your pockets and to your checking accounts and to your banking accounts for all the wrong reasons i 'm only asking you to do one thing as we look at these over the next few weeks and that 's do what God wants you to do and you know what he doesn 't want you to give anything grudgingly; it comes down to a matter of the heart. He just wants you to do what you want to do with your heart one of the uh, one of the men that uh, we met on the street yesterday and janie was uh, was was speaking to him and, and first of all he he said, he, he, you know, he didn't believe in a God. He didn't believe any of that stuff, and he didn't want anything to do with all of it. And yet, it was funny as she began to, to talk to him uh, about the love of God, and, and she, she quoted him that uh, one of the most familiar verses in all the Bible, said, for God so loved the world that he gave, and he suddenly started saying it with her. Now, he done said he didn't believe in God, but somewhere along the way, see, a seed had been put in there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. May I say to you, as we look at these principles over these next few weeks, it really does. The first thing you've heard me say it time and time again, you can look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation and that progression farther and farther and farther away from God, and it all began when they left their first love. They didn't love him like they used to. They didn't love him like they one time did. You see, God loved us so much that his giving was as a response to that great love that he had for us. John also wrote these words in, in 1 John chapter 3, in 1 John chapter 3, and again in verse 16. So John 3:16. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, and he says here, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Here's how we see and know God's love. Here is how we perceive the love of God. How? Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for for the brethren, Now, what's interesting there in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might have life. Here, how do we perceive the love of God? Because it was God himself that gave his life when he died on that tree. Jesus was just as much God as the God and Father in heaven that, that gave him. But notice what he goes on to say in the next two verses. But whoso hath the world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth what? The love of God in him. How dwelleth the love of God? You see, here he's not giving, we don't give to get. There is a principle that you can outgive God and you'll always get back more. But the focus should be on you give to get so you can give some more. It should always be on the giving. How do we see and know and, and understand the love of God because He gave Himself for us, because He was willing to lay down His life. But when we see another in need, and we shut up our bowels of compassion against them, don't go around saying that the love of God dwells in you. God doesn't know anything about that. I'm saying this morning, and please, please, folks, I say this because I love you. If you have a problem with the preacher preaching on how we should be giving, it's a love problem. It's a love problem. God did everything. God gave himself. God gave his own life. He did everything that he did out of his action for love. And he says, how dare you say that you care about somebody else and yet see them in need and not want to do something. Now, the sad thing is here, sometimes we get it all twisted around, and, and, and I face it so many times, even right here as pastor of this church. People come in, well, if you're a Christian, you'll do this for me. If you don't do this, that's not very Christian of you. You see, their whole focus is upon what they can get. And they're trying to take and turn this around that if you don't give me what I want, then you don't really love God. You're not really much of a Christian if you do that. No. If God's in your heart, you're going to want to meet a genuine need. But what I found is that most of the time, those that are just looking for what they can get, for what they can get, for what they can get, you never, ever, ever, the more you give, the more they're going to want. The more they have, the more that they're going to want. But we find here, he says, My little children, verse 18, Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but indeed, and in truth, it's easy to say, "I love you. It's easy to say, I care, but it's a whole other thing. And boy, I wish the problem is I don't I don't have enough time this morning to dwell upon this point alone. I want us to begin by by focusing the tension upon. Giving is a response of that which matters to us. Giving is a response of love. When we love someone, we want to give to them. We don't want to take from them. We don't want to take anything from them. We want to be able to bless them. We want to be able to give to them. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10, the passage on the screen before you says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Honor the Lord with thy substance, which that, which you have, whatever you have, little or much. I think I've told the story before. The young man that was just getting started with a new business and all this. And he was a Christian and he wanted to honor God. And of course, Dr. Criswell was a pastor at the First Baptist in, in, in Dallas, Texas for many, many years. And so he, gone, he went into Dr. Criswell's office and he was talking to him and he said, pastor, I want you to pray with me. And he said, I want to make a promise right now that I'm going to give the Lord the first fruits of everything. I'm going to give God 10% of everything. I'm going to pay my tithe off of whatever the Lord blesses me with. And at that time, he he had a job that was paying him like forty dollars a week, and so that was four dollars a week that he would put in the offering. And he promised that he was going to do that. Well, God blessed this young man, and 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 some years later, he had his own business, and 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 it had changed, and it had come to the point to where instead of making forty dollars a week and paying four dollars. His tithe alone, he was making like five grand a week and his tithe was $500 a week. And he went back to Dr. Criswell and he said, pastor, pastor, can, can we do something about this, this, this promise that I made God that I would do? He said, so, well, he said, I can't do anything about the promise. But I guess we could pray if you want to that God just decrease that salary back down to $40 a week so that you could feel a whole lot better about giving the $4 a week instead of the, the 500 a week. <laughs> The fact is, folks, if we don't honor God in the small, I had a, 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 one of the, the deacons that's going to be the Lord in, in, in my home church in North Carolina one time, and, and he was a, 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 a businessman. He, he worked in managerial roles in, in the textile industry and whatnot, and, and he was a very clever man. And, and, and he, was, uh, uh, he was asked one day by somebody else to say, you know, why, why, why didn't you just start your own business? You'd be making a whole lot more money. And, uh, and he, he made an astounding statement that I was just a young man at the time when I heard it and I thought about it and thought, huh. He said, well, he said, God has blessed me. And he said, I've always had good steady work and I earned good money. But he says, you know, he said, God never opened the door for me to, to go down that path. And he said, I think I know why. He said, God knows how much he can trust me with. <laughs> God knows how much he can trust me with. He said, I've always tried to honor God. But God probably knew that if he gave me too much, you might be the one with Dr. Well, it get harder and harder. See, riches aren't a bad thing, but it's the place they come. I want you to realize that's what, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. When you begin to love what you have more than you love God and love those around you, that's when it becomes a problem. So many times we don't really, really believe in the first place that it all comes from God. <laughs> We count it as ours. I worked hard for this. I earned this. I'll do what I want to do with it. <laughs> we forget to realize everything, all good gifts are from above. Even the health and strength that you had to earn that is God's blessing upon your life. And, 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 and let's just get something straight. I'm, I'm going to give you three basic parts of giving that I believe is the full picture of giving with God. And we're gonna be lucky if we get through one of them this morning, but uh, I'm gonna throw a bunch of stuff out there. And hopefully, hopefully it'll make you to do what we were talking about in the Bible study time this morning, to study, to show yourself approved, maybe to get you to digging a bit deeper to see what God has to say about a lot of these things. You see, I believe that God gives us the principles to guide our lives that will help us to be able To be able to be all that we can in this life. I believe that as we look at these principles in God's Word, they will make you happier, more joyful, more fulfilled. If your focus, if your love, if your attention is upon the things that you have, then you're never going to be. You're never going to have that. You're not going to have that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory that you, you can't even describe, that peace that passes all understanding. You see, God said, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. Now, do you believe that the Proverbs are just for the Old Testament saints? Proverbs are one of the places that for most, for most young people, I believe it's one of the most valuable books in the world, To get our teenagers into. (laughs) It's these principles for living. It's one thing that we focused on over and over and over and over and over and over when we had the the Christian school here. These proverbs, there's nuggets that if we'll just listen to them, they're so pointed. It's kind of hard to misunderstand them a lot of times. I mean, they just, they don't cut any corners. And he says, honor the Lord with what you've got, whatever that substance is. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. So you honor the Lord with what you've got right now, He also says, "Everything that you increase beyond that, he gets the first fruits." That's what I want to really try to just focus in on for a a few minutes here this morning. Is the first fruits? You see, I believe that is the very uh, first dimension of of, of God's uh, giving. Uh, That's where it all must begin. Now, remember, we're, we're talking about the work of missions. And, and, and this is why that we're focusing on this. But these principles apply right through our lives. Now, if we're thinking about as we approach our missions conference, I want you to be praying about certain things. Now, you have to be careful some things you pray for because God answers prayer. Okay? And, uh, and we have to be very, very careful because, uh, you know, one of the first things that God needs in the work of missions is personnel, people, people that are willing to go wherever, to do whatever, whatever God wants them to do, whether it's on the doorstep across the street or whether it's to the farthest ends of the world. Across the street and around the world, God needs people that'll go. It also requires prayer, individual prayer. He tells us, you know, to literally to, to, to look on the harvest. It's white, all ready to harvest. Look on those fields. They're, they're ready to harvest. But he says, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he sent forth laborers. He sent forth laborers. Why? Because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's plenty of work to be done out there, but there are very few people that are willing to put that work before their own. What do they love the most? You see, I'm, 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 folks, he's coming back. He said, be careful what you say that you love, because don't start saying that you love the things that God loves and 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 think that... that uh, uh if If you love in other things more that god 's love is dwelling within you it takes personnel, it takes prayer, it takes possessions, it takes the thing you know i'm i'm, I'm not ashamed I'm i 'm going to ask you not to do what I want you to do, but I want you to pray earnestly over these next weeks. I want you to pray earnestly about what God wants you to do and what God would do because as we go through these three principles, I'm gonna show you where I believe that God shows us that it needs to begin. But I wanna show you how that when we get to the end of it that God is able to do more than you can even imagine, more than you can think, that which is totally and completely impossible for man to do. It's impossible for the church to do. Even the Bible says... They were giving beyond themselves. (laughs) You see, you gotta be doing what you can do first before you can get to the point of God doing through you. Now, already some people have doubts there. They don't think that that can possibly be true. I'm saying, I'm gonna show you the principles. What you do with them will be entirely up to you. I wanna show you ways that God can use you beyond your imagination even. I don't say this to brag, and I'm going to say it very, very carefully, hopefully, because I don't say this to brag. I can say to you, I had to learn the hard way that it's not this world's possessions that really matter at all. I don't, you know, there was so much as a Christian, as a young preacher, as somebody that loved God and was trying to serve God, Those possessions still had too much of a place. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where are the things that matter to you? Because that's what's going to have your heart, the things that matter the most. And we need something else, folks. We need personnel, prayer, possessions. We could talk a lot on that. We need power not something make-believe, not something that's made up. We need a power that is beyond our own. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both at the same time, not either or before and after, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of this world. They had to wait Because man, the Holy Spirit would come on those Old Testament saints to do certain things when it needed the power of God. But do you realize we are blessed today? If the Holy Spirit doesn't live within you, then you don't belong to God. (laughs) He's there. He moved in. He took up residence. He put the seal upon you. You are God's. And that's the power that it takes to do this work. I believe I believe there is that instance, the moment that you get saved, that you need to be baptized into God's family. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is something you need day after day after day after day in your life. You never get to the point that you can live on yesterdays. If this work is to be accomplished, it's taking a power that is beyond our own. It is bigger than us. We can't do it ourselves. But I believe with all my heart, that even in this small congregation here at Bethel Free Baptist Church, that God can do things that will make our eyes pop out. God can do things that are just unbelievable. They don't make sense, not in, in man's rationale, but they do with God. And that's what I want you to grasp and understand. You see, there's so many people, and, I want, and, 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 and I'm just going to to toss some things out there very, very quickly for you. But there's so many people that think that uh, tithing is just an Old Testament thing, okay? It doesn't belong in the New Testament. Well, part of that comes because there is a lot of false teaching. You know, you don't got to pay your tithes to be a Christian. You don't have to pay your tithes in order to, to get to heaven one day. You know, in, in, in the Old Testament, they had to pay their tithes under the law or they broke the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We're living under grace. But I got news for you. The tithe and the first fruits, which go hand in hand with each other, as we will see in Scripture, are something that is there. First of all, may I say to you, the tithe didn't begin with the law, it was part of the law but it began before. And I don't have time to go read all those passages. You can either write them down or you can go back and listen to it online and write them down then. But we find if we go right back into Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20, who was the first man that God ever called out of this world to be a people separate from this world? Father Abraham. (laughs) Abraham. God called Abraham out that's where he started. He was calling a people out. He was going, this, this, people, and this people is still alive today, and God's hand is still upon them today, and God is still going to fulfill the rest of the, of the Scriptures for the nation of Israel. But the, at the moment that he first called the people out to be a part, to be separated from this world, uh, that's where we find that the first tithe was ever given is Abraham gave to Melchizedek a tithe of all that he had in honor and of course, if you read the scriptures, you'll find out real quick that Melchizedek of the Old Testament, the high priest, was a symbol of Jesus Christ himself. He was a type of Christ in that. Matter of fact, if you look into the New Testament, into the book of Hebrews, and look what he says in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. He says in verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the king and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. He's giving us the symbol symbolism here of Melchizedek and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Verily, They that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that it is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of 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 the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. And of course, we look at a lot of things there, but I want you to grasp and understand that even Old Testament or New Testament don't believe the lie that, that the tithe was just a law thing. The tithe preceded the law. By a lot, by a long time, and we find that not only did it did it precede the law there in the Old Testament, we find that if we look about one hundred and fifty years later that Jacob was still paying tithes at that time, and we find that it comes down yes, Leviticus numbers, deuteronomy, we find that uh, uh, that the tithe was, was was there instituted under the law that they had to do, but sometimes people get really upset because you know in in, in Malachi he said, "Bring ye all the." tithes, plural, (laughs) into the storehouse. All the tithes, well, there was more than one tithe under the law. You know, if you want to go back under the law, there was three tithes under the law. And and two of them were taken every year, and one of them was taken every third year. So, So you got to put about 23 and a third percent of everything into the tithe, into God's work of everything that they were blessed with under the law. That's what they were required to do because it was required by the law. Now, you're not required to do that. What God, what I want you to see, though, is that the tithe, yes, it was part of the law, and yes, the Old Testament saints had to do it as part of the law, but there was something much more than that. It was a principle that God laid down that was in place way before the law came into existence that was there and used under the law, and that it was still in the New Testament when Jesus commended it in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, I want you to look at just a couple of passages, and I'm going to read these verses quickly. We find that in Exodus chapter 23 verse 16 he says and the feast of harvest the first fruits of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field in the feast of ingathering which is in the end of this year when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field the feast of harvest the feast of of, of the first fruits In chapter 34, verse 22, And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Leviticus chapter 23 verse 9 to 11, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye come into the land which I give unto you and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. You see, the first principle of giving in God's shows our thankfulness. It shows that we're thankful. That's what they were doing here. After you've come into the promised land, after you've reaped the harvest, then you give God's the first fruit of that harvest in thanks for what God has done for you. The problem is today, most of us aren't thankful for what God has done for us. We're thankful for what we've done for ourselves. (laughs) We're thankful for all of our hard work. That's not what the first fruits was all about. Giving the first fruits to God was about being thankful to God for what he had done. Notice in Second Chronicles chapter 31 verses four and five, moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. The Bible itself ties the tithe, and the first fruits is the principle of God right from the very beginning that you give God. You give God out of a thankful heart because you're thankful that God has blessed you with this and you want to give it back. You see, I'm not asking you to give a tithe grudgingly. I'm saying God has given you a principle if you want to honor it in your life. You don't have to, be a, to pay a tithe to be saved. You're not under the law. You're under grace. But God's given you a principle. You can either take it and use it, or you can toss it aside and avoid it. He tells you that with the first fruits of thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Do you trust God? You see, that's part of it. We're thankful, and we're trusting Him. We're thankful because He's given us what He has given us, And at the same time, we realize Old Testament believers gave the best of their increase to God, not the leftovers. I'm sorry, folks. Too many times God just gets the leftovers. (laughs) He gets what's left. We've got a few coins. If we've got a little bit, if we've got enough after we have bought the things and done the things that we want to do because we're not trusting him to do it, we don't love him enough, and we're not thankful enough to give him the first fruits because he has blessed us so much. It goes back to the attitude of the heart, just like everything with God. We're giving out of our reverence for him, our love for him. We're giving it out of a selflessness. We're not giving it so that we can necessarily... <laughs> get to heaven because we know that's not the case. We're not giving it because we, we feel like that I'm going to give this just so I can have more. I believe with all my heart that, that you will. Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind what it's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be made to think like this world. I know it goes contrary. There's nothing in the world says that if you give away, you're going to have more. The Bible doesn't. Work off the same principles as the world. God gives us the principles that works with him if we trust him. He's just wanting you as a living sacrifice. He's not wanting all your dead money. You see, it's more important to him. Your obedience and your trust and your thankfulness is more important to him. I got news for you. God's not going to go out of business because you don't pay your tithe. That doesn't mean, you know, as a church, we have to trust God. But he'll bring it in through the people that he brings it in. I'm not saying this today. Yes, the church has it. And yes, I want to see us do great things in the work of missions. But God wants to do great things in your life and through your life. And that first principle, do you really love God enough? And are you really thankful for what God has done for you, that you'll give him the first fruits? Romans 6.13 says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Why? Why do we love him so much? Because we were dead and he gave us life. We don't have a life without him. We're nothing without him. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us. We're doing the things that we're doing because of the love of Christ. He says, how dare you look on that need and shut up your bowels of compassion and say that the love of God dwells in you? No. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Why? Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead, every human being. Jesus Christ gave himself for the sins of the world, for every human being that will come. And that he died for all, listen, that they which live. You see, if you're here today, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You need to realize the wages of sin is death. It's death. That's the only thing that can come because life only comes from God. God gave that life in the the beginning. All life comes from him that exists. Separated from God, there is no life. Sin separates us from God. The only other thing that's left is death. Death is the absence of life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's his gift to you today. Now, you can receive it or you can reject it, but believers, he's saying to us, that well, if we know all that, do we realize Jesus Christ died for all? Everybody's dead out there. Do we realize that we wouldn't be alive if it weren't for us, but He gave us a reason not only because they were all dead and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him that died for them and rose again. If you love him enough, your life is not about you. It's not about what you can do for yourself that we henceforth live not unto ourselves but unto him that died for us, that gave us life in the first place. You see, Giving God the first fruits is about being thankful for what he's done for you. And it's about trusting him to do that which only he can do. I want to tell you again, God isn't so hard up that he's got to have your money to operate. He's not. He's not. I I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and again, I'm not boasting me. I, I've had times when some of the leaders at Bethel were, were under a great deal of stress. Brother Peter's not here this morning, but he would know. <laughs> he said, well, you know, we don't have money for this, and we don't have money for that. I've even had people come to me and ask before, should we really be supporting all those, sending all that money out there to those missionaries? When, when you know, we know, we need to fix water damage in our building. We've got all these things that, that, that needs to be done and whatnot. I, folks... <laughs> there's nothing more important than that. And I mean, I don't I don't say it to be nasty. <laughs> I don't care if it's this church or any other church. I don't want to be a part of any church that there's anything that's more important than the souls of mankind. That's why we're here. That's why the church is here. That's what we're here for. We want to do all these things for each other, but folks, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything he did was that the lost might be saved. That ought to be our focus. That's why we want more people. That's why we want to be stronger. That's why we want to be there to encourage each other and lift each other up because we want to do more to see them. God doesn't need your money to keep from going broke. But he is interested in your submission, your obedience. He's interested in your thankfulness. He desires that that somehow in your heart, there's just this overflow of gratitude and thanksgiving to the God because because he saved you, (laughs) because he gave you everything, and that you're grateful enough and thankful for that. And you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ, just before he gave us the model prayer, which some people call the Lord's Prayer, he said this, he says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I've often said, I'm hesitant sometimes because probably the least effective praying that we do is that when we pray publicly, so worried about what somebody else is going to think about my prayer. <laughs> we're nervous about what to say because of what somebody else went. There's only one person we're talking to, folks. You know, you know I, I close my eyes so I can't see you. I don't have to close my eyes to pray, And <laughs> I close my eyes so I can't see you because I just want to talk to him when I'm praying. And even when we're praying on behalf of a congregation, we're just talking to him. But he tells us, he says, when you pray, Don't just say all these nice, repetitious things that, you know, God bless the world and God bless St. Mary and Uncle Joe and and all these things, you know. He said, the heathen do that. They think they shall be heard for their much saying. They want to impress people with their wonderful prayers. Be not ye therefore likened to them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. (laughs) God already knows before you even ask him. but Yet we know that he wants us to come to him, showing our faith and our confidence in him and asking him there. He tells us, you see, a heart that gives generously, willingly, cheerfully. We'll be looking at this passage a bit more later on. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly Shall reap also sparingly. So you're going to reap even if you sow just a little bit. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. You see, I don't want to talk you into some emotional thing or take you on some guilt trip that you've got to pay your tithes in order to be a Christian, in order to be saved, in order to be part of this church. No, I'm trying to encourage you to get in the right relationship with God to where you have a desire and you're so thankful to Him and you trust Him enough that you are willing to give Him the first fruits. Is He lying to you or is He telling the truth? Kind of hard. We say all these things on the one hand, but our actions show something very differently. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Is God going to keep his promise? Is he a liar or is he telling the truth? I'm saying this is a principle that God has given to you. It's been there with his people that if you honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of the increase, when he becomes first in your life, not somewhere down the list, when you love him more than you love anything else, when you love of his work more than your own work when it matters to you, and you realize that everything that you've got is because of Him, and it's your desire to give. I don't want you giving grudgingly. I don't want you putting that money in there to impress the the, the pastor or the treasurer or somebody else with what you're doing. Keep it for yourself. I want you. I want your heart to be such that God, that God is pleased with what you're doing because. You're so much in love with him that you're giving for the same reason that he gave you everything for, because you love him, because he's first. And therefore, he deserves more than just your leftovers. He deserves the very best. And you give him the first fruits, and you trust him and know I, you, know, you know how people give you all these 100% money-back guarantees and, 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 and all of that stuff on anything just to try to, to get you money and whatnot? Well, I'll tell you this. This is one guarantee that I'll stand by. If you can live better off of the 100% under your power then you can't offer the 90% with God's power upon it, God's blessings upon it. What did he say even in the Old Testament under the tithe? When he told them to bring it in, he told them, he said, he said, try me. Try me. See if this doesn't work. See if I won't just raise the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing that you won't be able to withstand. Try me. Try me and just see. See if my blessing's on your life. You see, you can't outgive give God. I'm saying the first principle of God has to start with the heart of God having first place in your life. Him getting the first fruits out of a thankful heart. Not because you feel like you got to do this, but because you love Him so much you want to do it. It's your desire to do it. You see, that's that's that's. I want, I want your heart changed. I want you to recognize that, man, God is there for you. Trust Him with everything. And I'm not asking you to, to put your 10% into this storehouse because we're going to go broke if you don't. No, I believe that God's going to meet our needs. I believe that with all of my heart. But I want you to have God's blessings on your life. I want you to be able to get to the point, as we look through this, that's where it's got to begin. If you're not willing to put him first, if you're not willing to give him the first fruits, then that's fine. You don't have to worry about these next sermons because you can't, you can't get involved in them anyway. You know, you've got to start with him first. You've got to start with giving him yourself. You've got to start with, with, with that, showing your thankfulness because you see, I believe as we look at these three principles, I believe the, the biggest, biggest thing behind the first one, the first fruits, the tithe, is our thankfulness. I believe that the biggest thing behind the second one, which we'll look at next time, the free will offerings, is our love. They all show our love. They all show our thank, all these things. But I'm saying there's a focus upon that love. That's why we call them love offerings a lot of times, freewill offerings. And then that third one that we get to, Called faith promise giving. That's that giving that is beyond what we can do. That's dealing mostly with our faith. But it's got to begin with our love and our thankfulness. You can't get to those others until you put that. So I'm encouraging you today as we approach our annual missions conference. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, I hope and pray. I hope and pray that, that, that you'll grasp and understand that's everything that we're about. We want to introduce you to Jesus. We want you to know how much Jesus loves you. We want you to know that there's an enemy. We've been looking at these last weeks for for quite a few weeks of of the hindrances of Satan. We started with our conference in February. We started with, 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 with literally being able to let God fight those battles for us because he's training us to be victors, not to be losers. We looked at these hindrances, how are the ways that Satan will come against you? Not because we're afraid of him, not because we can be beat down, because we can defeat him, praise God. We don't have to let him hinder us. We do have the winning side when we're on Christ's side. As we look at these next weeks, we're focusing upon what we can do as far as what God will do through us, specifically for the cause of the gospel. That's why we're here we want you to know Jesus Christ, and we wanna take that message of Jesus to everybody possibly out there. Father, thank you for our time this morning. We know that our time has escaped us, it's gone. But Lord, please help us. Well, I, 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 I feel really completely uh, inadequate in, in even trying to approach this subject in just, even just, just one sermon like this. But Lord, I pray that you'll help people to realize the first principle that you gave us in giving is the principle of first fruits. Lord, and, 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 and it's giving that first fruit, set off the top. And, and Lord, and even, even in the New Testament, Lord, Lord we, we want to do that which is coming from our hearts, that which we purpose in our hearts because we have a desire and we want to. So I pray that you'd just help, Lord, people to grasp and understand. You've given us a principle. You've given us a principle about giving and that which can be accomplished through it. But the first one, Lord, is about making sure that you have the rightful place in each and every one of our hearts, that you have first place, not second, not third, but you truly are first place. I pray that you just continue, Lord, in these days to, to meet with us, to help with us. And I want to pray especially, Lord, if there's anybody here today that's, that's, that's not saved. Lord, I know that this message today has been primarily focused towards the believers, towards the Christians, but the whole purpose behind it is that wonderful message the gospel can reach those that don't know Jesus Christ yet, please impress upon their hearts that Jesus Christ is there for them today, that if they'll come and put their faith and trust in His finished work, He'll forgive their sins, He'll give them life, and He'll give them that life more abundantly. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. (music)